0: Welcome to the Fired Coaches Podcast with host Marcus Wiegert. Each episode, we take a detailed look into the trials and tribulations that college coaches had to go through in their career, reflecting on what matters most. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at Fired FiredCoachesPod. We appreciate you taking the time to listen.
1: Monday's with Marcus bonus episode podcast. We're still running with that name because we haven't thought of a better one. Uh, I'm James Ethington, the intern here with Marcus, who's been hosting this podcast for a while. This week, I really want to talk about Cinderella stories, considering that uh, St. Peter's has now won two tournament games and they are into the Sweet 16 as a number 15 seed. So I think Cinderella's are like a huge part of why we all love March Madness, right? It's called madness for a reason. So this last week, they upset number two Kentucky. Yesterday, they beat Murray State. This is like the big potential Cinderella this year. Underdogs are usually the storyline of the tournament, even if they don't win. So looking back, you know, we have NC State beating the five Slamma Jamma Cougars. We have Kevin Ollie's Huskies winning the year after a tournament ban. Uh, we have the underdogs that really made me fall in love with basketball as an eight-year-old, which was Steph Curry and Davidson. When I saw them beat Wisconsin, even though I hated seeing them beat Wisconsin, it just like amazed me and kind of made me fall fall for the game. I kind of wanted to ask you, Marcus, do you have a favorite march madness cinderella story or underdog moment
0: well to start off i guess knowing that you were eight years old when steph curry did that and i was in college i think it was my senior (laughs) year that definitely uh puts things in perspective of how much older i am than you but yeah the steph curry run um, when they beat wisconsin was big i think my probably my favorite three uh my most by far favorite ncaa tournament moment was wisconsin I believe I was in eighth grade at the time uh, with Dick Bennett when he led them in 2000 to the final four. They were an eight seed. They beat Fresno State to begin. Then they beat number one, Arizona. They went on to beat number four, LSU, who I think had Stroh Miles Swift at that time, and then played number six, Purdue, um, another Big Ten team before going and playing Michigan State in the final four. And that was just such a random, unpredictable, just people didn't think that was going to happen. And so, again, kind of like you're saying as an eight-year-old, well, when I'm in eighth grade playing basketball and that happens for Wisconsin, you know, just one of the greatest memories I'll have from a basketball standpoint. But I do remember the earliest one was watching Bryce Drew in 98, hit the shot against Ole Miss in the first round, Um, you know, being home from school as an elementary school person, feeling kind of like a badass, being home watching the March Madness tournament games. Yeah. Um, But then also, you know, recency bias kind of was the UMBC upset of Virginia and obviously a big Tony Bennett fan. But I remember being down at the state tournament in Madison watching that um, at a bar um, and just being like, you know, Virginia's going to pull it out. Virginia's going to pull it out. And UMBC just kept hitting shots. So, uh, to your point, though, it is what makes March Madness March, right? I mean, everybody gets involved with it. Um, you can kind of pick your teams and everybody loves the upset, right? And the underdog like mm-hmm. St. Peter's is right now. So, um, you're 100% correct. And that's that's what makes it. Yeah,
1: I I think that it's the kind of stuff that we remember, or I remember Duke when they randomly lost it. It was either in the round of 64 or 32. So like, I, I feel like we can connect every year's tournament becomes kind of the story of whoever that underdog is. You said you were playing basketball back in eighth grade. So you've been involved with basketball in some capacity for, I would bet, 20, 25 years, right? Since you were a real little kid. So like, what's your experience as the underdog, either as a player or a coach? Do you have any moments like that?
0: Yeah, I think there are many memories of being kind of the underdog um, as a player. Um, Some of the teams I played on weren't great. So that kind of played into the underdog role. Um, I would say as a coach, um, which I documented, I believe it was on episode 30 or so. Um, on this podcast of when I was coaching at Marion university and we were four and 21, um, back in 2010, 11. And then, uh, literally three and a half, four years later, um, we flipped it and went to the NCAA tournament and played number one, Stevens point. And just, that was a special environment game. Playing at point was kind of the, the local college from where I grew up. So I knew a lot about point basketball and we played them right till the end and lost by two. And we were definitely the underdog there, no doubt. And going in and playing as well as we did in that game um, was just a memory that myself and I know our coaching staff and players will have forever. Um, and again, it's Division three; it's not Division one, but still, even in Division three, um, there is that again the allure of the tournament. Right? You have teams that are hosting and highly ranked, and upsets that happen. And again, that's what makes it so great. You know, whether it's Division three, Division two, Division one, or even high school basketball. Um, it's just the, um, you know, when March hits around and there's buzzer beaters and there's upsets, that's what people live for.
1: Yeah, I have a moment like that where it wasn't a upset that we pulled off, but it was us playing. It, it was my junior year, and that was the year we sucked. We had no seniors, and it was just a bunch of juniors and then, like, my freshman little brother. And we lost 86 to 85 Best game of the year against the defending national champions for our division. We were actually winning, and then they called the most BS foul of all time when we were in the double bonus, and they hit the two free throws with no time on the clock. But yeah, those are the kind of me- basketball memories for sure. Kind of leaning more uh, towards how the tournament works. Do you really love like the volatility that this single elimination bracket gives? rather than like the seven game series that the nba and mlb has
0: i think 100 percent. i think that's what makes march madness the way it is that's what makes the super bowl the way it is i mean obviously the super bowl being you know the most watched celebration of sports basically and it's because it's a one-shot deal i'm sure there's a lot of other things that go into factor that but if college football could ever get together and figure out how to expand this playoff i think it would just add that much more to it as well Um, You know, you got the NBA, you got MLB, and obviously those sports are great and their series are great. But at the end of the day, I mean, you think about it, right? If you had the Suns and the Bucks in a one-game matchup in some neutral location, how big of an event that would have been last year to watch Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Giannis and Middleton and all those guys. And again, it was a great series, don't get me wrong. But just the buildup that it would be if it was a Mm -hmm. one-shot deal. It's just so great that way that it's literally, again, it goes back to the upsets, the buzzer beaters, the unknowns, the coach who comes out of nowhere, the player who comes out of nowhere, you know, maybe again, those players that had played very well all year long struggling in the moment, you know, and again, at the end of the day, it's, it's a one-shot deal and you might've won your conference and conference tournament. And then you get in the NCAA tournament and you have one bad game and it's all over.
1: You framing it like that. You could almost say that every game of the tournament feels like it's game seven. Like it's everything on the line. Those guys playing their heart out. I saw a video of Jawan Howard holding an opposing teams player yesterday as he like sobbed into his arms. And like, that's what March is really about is them kind of laying it out.
0: Yep. You saw a lot of kids in the last few days with them. And that's where, you know, again, it shows how much it matters. And again, it's just such a big spectacle and, I think there's things that, yeah, there's always improvements that the NCAA could make, but over the years, you know, the NCAA takes a lot of heat on a lot of things. I think March Madness, the way it's laid out, the way it is, you know, they haven't really changed things much over the years outside of the play-in games, you know, expanding from 64 to 68, and really them not touching much. CBS does a phenomenal job with their contract, with the announcing, with the way that everything's played out, and it's Mm -hmm. nobody gets more attention than the other. You know, it's not like you know, Duke and Coach K, as we talked about in our previous episode, that how much run he's kind of getting in his last year, but it's not like Duke gets all the media attention for this. It's everybody. It's St. Peter's because they're upsetting. So that's what I love about the way that it's handled, especially from the broadcast standpoint as well, is that everybody kind of gets their fair shake.
1: It's almost like March Madness is like, if you just wanted to look up what perfect basketball was, that's what March is a microcosm of.